Coming up on Squats and Margaritas. We make kids feel like they don't get our love right now. That's not our intention. We have no freaking clue. That's what we're doing. But it feels like when I can cooperate and be good and comply and listen, which is really a code word for obey. When I can do those things, I get love, right? But then when I can't, and my parent makes me feel ashamed of myself, even if it's not our intention, it feels like I'm loved when I'm good and I'm not loved when I'm not good. Yeah. Hey, senorita, really nice to meet ya. This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's therapist and parenting expert, Maggie Nick. You know her on Instagram as Parenting with Perspectacles. She teaches parents how to raise kids who feel seen and loved. She specializes in shame and self-worth. I'm raising a six and a half year old daughter and a four year old son. And I have about three pages of notes um, that I'm about to hit Maggie with. I actually um, asked you guys for questions as well. I cannot wait to talk to her. I'm learning more about internal family systems and how we all have our triggered childhood parts and trauma from our childhood. I don't want to pass those things along to my children. I want to get into all of it. Please do me a favor and subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode. Then every time a new episode comes out, you'll get an alert. And it would help me so much if you could give me a rating on Apple Podcasts for Squats and Margaritas. Here is my episode with Maggie Nick. I have been on a new spiritual journey and learning more about, like I follow Gabby Bernstein and she talks about like internal family systems. Oh yeah. Yes. But it's all making me think about my parenting. And like when I rage out at my kids and I think, yes, the thing is not the thing. Like the thing is not the thing. (laughs) (laughs) We need to get into all of it. I legit have three pages of notes. You talk about that. You specialize in shame and self-worth and we all want to raise worthy. I know we both have a a daughter worthy, Mm -hmm. uh, like self-aware daughters and you want them to be perfect. And you talk about the price you paid for being the perfect child. And I relate to that so much. I'm a firstborn. Can we start there and talk about raising perfect kids and then what that actually does to adults? Totally. I don't remember a lot from childhood because I had a lot of trauma. And like, I used to have this thing where I thought I had memory issues because I would like be like doing whatever unconsciously. And then all of a sudden I'd be like hit with shame. And I'd be like, what was I just thinking about? What just happened? And it was because yeah. shame went through my unconscious and dropped a shame bomb on me. Are you and, comfortable like, getting into what? Oh, yeah. you, okay. Let's start there. Yeah. Um, I had never set foot in a therapist's office until I was 25. Mm. My me, I was like 36. So no judgment. Really? Yeah. No, I like, <laughs> but I think if I could have had a therapist and growing up, like, my God, I can't even imagine how different my life would be, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, really the reason like working with kids is a whole, as you, the kids are great. Parents are hard. And like, <laughs> I would be a hard parent. I, I get it. You know, Yeah. I would be a pain. I will. Cause I'm, my kids will go to therapy, but like, I will be a pain in the ass parent and I'm, that's fine. But like, it's, but working with kids, like every time I'm sitting with a kid who's struggling, it's like, I get this moment to be there for the way that I needed someone and yes. it's magical. Right. And so much of what I teach in parenting with perspectacles is like what I've learned about how to connect with kids in therapy, like these, especially the resistant ones who have to be like dragged to therapy. Like, it's really just about like this, the vibe of like putting my perspectacles on. I see you, you're in there. There's this attitude. There's this resentment growling like a tiger, but you're in there. And I see Mm -hmm. that. 
Like I'm not deterred by the times you've gotten in trouble at school and the bad kid rep that you have. Like I see right through that to you and kids feel that. And that's, I mean, so much of what I teach in my parenting framework is just stuff I've picked up on how to connect, especially with resistant teens. That's always the hardest. You feel like you're making an impact and stepping in and being something for them that you didn't have growing up. So I had a parent with a lot of unhealed trauma. My mom, I'm not exactly sure of the nature of her trauma, um, but uh, we're not close at this point. We're pretty estranged um, Mm, on my account, just to put healthy boundaries in. It's just at some point you just have to do what you have to do to survive and take care of yourself. But mostly like the, the trauma in my childhood, I did have some of the gnarly stuff, the SVU kind of stuff, but the the trauma that really rocked me was a parent who went from zero to raging, like unexpectedly at any moment. And so just the hypervigilance that had to come from that. Interestingly, my oldest brother, like the, the oldest born, the first born is usually like the good kid, but in my family, that was like the problem kid. And oh. so then I felt like I needed to come in and be the peacemaker and the good kid, you know, and I was the only daughter. And like with my mother's particular trauma, there tends to be like a same gendered child thing. That's not okay. always there if there's a differently gendered child. So I triggered her more, I think. And I got more of her brunt because of the unique nature. Not really, it's not unique at all. The, the nature of her trauma. So, wow. yeah, you just go through life. Like so many, sometimes people will comment on my good kid videos and they'll be like, okay, but I'm not suffering in silence. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't have said that either until I was like 29, you know, yeah. nine times out of 10, people would tell you that they, when they knew me from childhood and in college that I was the happiest person they've ever met. Mm-hmm. And you kind of thought it was fine too. I because thought you put it away, you compartmentalized. Yeah. And then I think um, you said too, I was listening to a podcast you did about what you just said when like your mom would go from a two to a 10 on yeah. a rage scale. And it's like, when it's a big jump like that, that's when you know that you've triggered something from like yes. childhood. Yes. You're big yelling jump. at your daughter, but it's not her. The thing is not the thing. We talk about that. Right. <laughs> yes. When we talk about parts, the unconscious parts of us, um, the question I always ask clients and the question I always ask myself when I'm doing the work is how did this moment feel familiar in a way that was painful? When we have trauma, things that feel familiar get mistaken for things that feel safe, like chaos right? Like emotional chaos that yeah. feels safe air quotes, because it feels familiar. So we have mm-hmm. to be, it's a little tricky here. We have to discern what's safe and what's actually familiar, right? Like sometimes familiar feels safe, but it's not safe. Is what I'm trying to say. But like, um, my funniest example of getting triggered is when my son, this was like God, the first 18 months of his life, like type a mom with two kids, like game face mama. I don't feel like I like took a deep breath for 18 months. Like I was just schedules and like routines and like, just it was, it was a lot. And so it was sometime during that time he could like sit in the cart. So he was probably like almost a year and I'm at the grocery store. Why, why did I take a full cart to the self-checkout with a baby? Why did I do that? I don't know, but I did uh-huh. for some reason. And so I'm doing the self-checkout. And of course, as I'm putting stuff, like he's grabbing stuff. So it's like a whole thing. I'm already like kind of annoyed. So my stress level's rising. And then I get all paid and the system keeps going, please take your items. And like, I'm trying to get my items into the cart, but then Oliver's grabbing all the glass stuff, of course, like a radar. And like, I'm, and, and finally, after like the fifth time, I was like, Jesus, <laughs> like y'all at this self-checkout. Oliver starts crying. People around me are like, what? But like, do you know what? That felt so 
familiar to childhood. The boop, 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 boop. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? I need to know. What do you like the control? Yes. Just that moment of like, give me a minute. Yes. I'm doing the best I can. The not good enough. It was just so much. And, and so you released moment, it. <laughs> right. I, did, I sure did. Um, but like that, it's not that my parents said, please take your items. It's that it felt familiar no. to this feeling of like, God, I'm trying as hard as I can. Can't you see how hard I'm trying? It was like, nothing's ever good enough. Like I have so much of that yeah. that I stuffed down and bottled up as a child. And so when I have a moment where I'm feeling that way again, and this time it was the self-checkout machine, like parts of me are like, oh, I hell no. Hell no, is anybody going to ever make us feel like that? And so rage takes over and hijacks me and like shuts it down. And rage thinks it's a bear. That's the problem. Like our our, our nervous system thinks that the self-checkout is a bear. And it's trying to protect me from the bear that remembers from childhood that hurt me. How do we break the cycle of this to like raise kids, like teach them to show their emotions and feel the feelings? Because I feel like everything is like, I'm always like, shh. And I know it's generational, like my husband and my mother-in-law, like my son, like, no, you're crying. No, shh. And you tell them to suppress yeah. and then they're going to be yelling at a checkout thing one day. How do we like nip it now? Yeah. It's funny because the clinical psychologist who founded um, Internal Family Systems Theory, the parts work, talks about, have you ever heard of this, a U-turn where you mm-hmm. have your finger pointed and you have to do a U-turn oh, back to you. Yeah. And it's so corny, but like the number of times I'm like, it's a U-turn. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, truly like me being the parent I want to be is not about further controlling or even like people, parents think I need to teach my kids self-control. Like, good luck. Like <laughs> science doesn't support that. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's really just a matter of waiting it out and like doing the best you can. Trusting that like we're putting brownie mix into the bowl. We're not going to come out with shepherd's pie. Like we, we're putting the brownie mix into the pie, you know? I don't Adam. want my child to have like what I do now. Like I'll yell at her Modeling. and you're making me think of like, yes. I really butt heads with my daughter and I really butt heads with my mom. And I'm wondering now the oh, same yeah. sex thing, like oh, she yeah. can trigger me like no one else. And so mm-hmm. maybe that's something that I need to look into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my son's just like, oh, yeah. I love you. And I'm like, come here. Yeah. And then her and I, and she's uh, six and a half. Like, and I'm mm-hmm. like, is this the age? Like, she's just, it's so challenging. But my right. husband's always like, she's good, cool. Like with me, yeah. it's like her and I have this. Yeah. I don't even, I don't know even what I want to call it. Like this combative nature. Yeah. And she can trigger me like no one else. (laughs) Well, and I I mean, I hear this across the board. I mean, truly moms and dads. Like, I think that's, you know, my mom had a thing that made it more, but like, I think all of us, like you see little you in her. And like one of the hardest parts I think of parenting, especially when you're trying to break cycles and you're trying to raise kids who feel good enough, like you never did. And who can, you know, don't bottle up and explode like a volcano like we do relational trauma, which is what we all have, what even if we had great parents, like they were using shame to control us. They were used, they were dousing us with gasoline and setting our self-worth on fire, unfortunately. Like that's what shame does. And even if we try to do it nicely, like shame is just devastating. And so like when we when we're trying to break these cycles, relational trauma has to be healed in relationship. And so this is a real oversimplification, but I like to think about like your oldest child, but I, I see it with both. I have two who are almost eight and five. Um, as my oldest, you know, now she's seven. And so she's pushing the buttons. Like, mm. you know, I think I'd explain this. The things that we get triggered about the most are the things we have the most shame about. Yeah. Because shame totally. is what drives the aggression and the lashing out. Yes. And so as she's seven and she's doing things the seven-year-old me did and got horribly shamed for, I'm going to get triggered. Right. And then when she's eight and she does the eight things eight-year-old Maggie did and the nine, it's like, 
Do you know what I mean? So I can't like reliving it back and feeling the shame. Literally and getting it reflected back. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so like, I can't heal teenage Maggie trauma yet. I mean, in this unique relationship, right? It's like we, and and I think to so many parents who think like, I thought I did the healing work. Why do I still getting triggered? Like you're going to get triggered. Like that's how Mm -hmm. trauma works. It's just a better way of dealing with it almost like to know what to do when you're triggered. Right. But the child who's triggering you the most is the child who will heal you the most if you know how to do that. Right. Well, how do I do it? (laughs) Okay. That's a big question. Okay. So (laughs) we bottle and explode because it didn't feel safe to release. Children have six core needs. There's four core needs that a lot of people talk about, the attachment needs that are super important. But then there's these other needs that I feel like nobody talks about. So attachment needs, meaning we have an attachment. Children have an attachment with their primary caregivers. And that really sets their relationship blueprint for like when I'm in a relationship with people, whether it's friends, supervisors, or like intimate partners, like how am I supposed to act? What do I deserve? When they do this, I do what? Is it normal for people to act this way and that way? That's your attachment. And it, it's the extent to which you can have healthy relationships. The healthier attachment, the healthier relationships you'll have throughout your life, basically. And the unhealthier your attachment is, the more unhealthy your relationships will be. So we have four attachment needs. This is Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson's work. Kids need to feel safe, soothed, seen, and secure. So safe emotionally and physically safe. Soothed, meaning they need a soft spot to land when they're struggling. Mm -hmm. They don't need us to dismiss them and send them away. They need us to be a soft spot to land, which is so hard. Um, They need to feel seen. That's where perspectacles come in. They need us to see that this little on the surface is in there and they wish they could stop and they don't know why they feel like they need to push our buttons right now, but they do. And they need us like that seen piece of like, you get that I'm good inside, right? I'm not this bad kid who's like, having fun setting you off. Like this is terrifying and I don't know why I'm doing this. And when when kids feel seen, it changes everything seen and then secure. That means they have a parent who can set and hold confident boundaries, which again, we had no modeling. I've met zero parents who can do this without a lot of support because how could we, our parents use shame to hold the boundary. You don't have to be a confident leader when you're shaming people into Mm. compliance. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have no modeling for this. Like I literally had to search this as if I was learning a new language. Like when I taught myself, like it was like, how does one do that? Right. So safe, Susie and secure. And then they have two others to feel like they have worth and value, even when they mess up, even when they're disrespectful, mm-hmm. which is where the shame piece comes in to feel loved without conditions. And then to release stress, which like is so obvious. And you're like, oh yeah, but nobody ever talks about that. Yeah. Right. Kids need to really stress. If we are picturing a balloon and I'm blowing big feelings and stress into this balloon, at some point the balloon pops if we don't release air out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Kids have to be able to release stress. And so fundamentally, uh, understanding that the kids need to release stress. And kids don't release stress the same way that we do always. Some of us never learned how to release stress properly, raising my hand really yeah. high. Some people, right, they work out, they do things to really stress, but like, got to deal with the feelings. Brene Brown talks about how we think in Atlas of the Heart, she talks about how, I think it's in Atlas. Anyway, I heard her say it at some point, that um, we think that we are thinking beings who on occasion feel, mm-hmm. and it's the exact opposite. We are feelings, people who on occasion think. And when we are hijacked by our emotions, as Brene says, our thinking is like hogtied in the trunk. Yeah, we are. So 
we were raised in this world where we're supposed to be a thinking being who feels occasionally. And we've all tried really hard to do that. And that's not working out very well because we're Mm -hmm. struggling with perfectionism and people pleasing and needing to control everything, raising my hand all over the place. Um, Numbing. We have to numb. We have to take the edge off, right? If you can't release the stress, you're just going to numb it, you Mm -hmm. know, as much as you can. Um, And so, so many of us are struggling so much with that because we weren't taught how to release the stress. Or you were taught not to show it. Like if you're stressed, especially like I, I look at like relationships now, like my marriage, like mm-hmm. any, like, I feel like a lot of males in their marriage, they were told not to show emotion and boys yeah. don't cry. And like my mother-in-law oh, will yeah. still say that to my oh, four-year-old yeah. son right now. No, 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 cry. You're a baby. You're acting that little girls cry. And I'm like, can we not? And then they get into a marriage and it's like, you never show any emotion. It's like, well, I thought I wasn't supposed to. It's so much more than I thought I wasn't supposed to, because this okay. is where the shame piece that we need to understand. What? The I'm not mad, I'm disappointed is a dose. You just need <laughs> I to stop saying that. I know, I know. And that's okay. Are you mad? I'm like, no, I'm just a little sad. I don't say disappointed, but I totally, I know, I know. It's okay. It's okay. We'll get you there. No, how could you not? Right? I am. Like, sad. I used to say that to baby, to my oldest. I'd be like, mommy's sad right now. And like, but I didn't know any different, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, but yeah, we want to move away from this. All right. So when we make kids feel ashamed of themselves, I've had parents a lot of times be like, your stuff's real interesting. I like it, but um, I don't shame my kids. So I'm good. And I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> I'm going to break it to you as gently as I can. That's not true. And because yeah. I shame my kids sometimes, mm-hmm. I, I freaking live in this space. I talk about it. I counsel people on it. I coach people. Like I, I literally, my brain never stops thinking about shame and I shame my kids sometimes. So it's just, we don't realize we're shaming them, right? Yes. So shaming our kids means making our kids feel like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Which is literally the words that I have to I hold in my mouth. Sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes I say, are you I, kidding me right now? I say, and now my son says it. My son will be like playing with his dinosaurs. He's like, are you kidding me right now? And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's okay for him to say it to the dinosaurs. That's fine. But like this feeling of like, what is wrong with you right now? Yeah. Right. I didn't think like about it. You should like be that. able to control yourself. Right. Yeah. And uh, Allie Payne is a parenting expert. I love this. She talks about how capacity drives capability. And we've got to be talking about this. So we have these expectations of our kids' capabilities, right? That you can control yourself. Self-control is not like the parts of the brain that come together. There's a lot to orchestrate impulse control that are fully developed and working together. Earliest is like six and a half to seven. Okay. If we have a child below that, there are moments where they have some self-control. That's when their stress level is lower, right? On a one to 10, 10 is where they explode. When they're, you know, two, three, four, there's some self-control there on good days. But if they're hungry, if they are overstimulated, if they're overtired, they're all these things that undermine, fundamentally undermine their impulse control. So it's a mind F, right? Because sometimes they can do the thing and then inexplicably they can. And you're like, what? Yes. We get into this, like, I have these expectations that you should be able to do this. But like, we have to remember that same for us. Like there are things I could crush at a two, three or four, but if you present the same exact situation to be at a seven, eight or nine, it's going to be a different story. That's so true. Capacity, my capacity, how much space I have before I slam into 10 is going to really determine my capabilities. Can I be calm? Can I control myself? Can I not go for the ice cream when I'm struggling? Right? The tequila. Yeah. Capacity drives capability. I love that. Okay. And so like we have to like 
so much of this is we have to stand and face some of the stuff that happened to us, right? And especially those of us that like had a great childhood, I hear that all the time. Like, so did I. I would have said I did. I don't know what I would, I, I, maybe I blocked it out. I struggled yeah. so much. I was the firstborn. I was a perfectionist to a degree where I took it to, I mean, eating disorder, bulimia, anorexia, depression. Like I was such a people pleasing, never wanting to let anybody down. I, I held everything in. I took everything on and just didn't want to disappoint. But yep. like when you say like meet or like relive or kind of like mm-hmm. think about the face. time and I, I don't face it. Yeah. I don't know what, I truly don't know what I'm like, what happened or what made, it was like, I Shame. held myself to the standard. It's the sh- no, you, you, well, you were taught to, you were taught to hold yourself. It's the shame. The number of times across all of my work that the answer is it's the shame is all the times. It's always the shame. Wow. <laughs> so when in these moments, like, and this is where, why I, I feel so passionate about this because we love our kids, right? We love them and we're just yeah. trying to help. Yeah. But when we say things like you should be ashamed of yourself, what is wrong with you? Right. Oh. You should be able to do this. You should be able to control yourself. You know, better kids go through the shame spiral, right? You and me, yeah. we were like, I do know that that's wrong. Why am I doing this? I'm bad. Because you're a freaking kid. That's why, right? Okay. And they think, well, I'm going to believe my mom. If my mom tells me I should be able to control myself here and I can't control myself, then clearly there's something wrong with me. I'm not going to say, you're wrong, mom. I'm a kid. So I'm going to say, oh, my mom says I should be able to control myself and I can't. So the only logical explanation it. here is there's something wrong with me. Oh, I hate that. Oh, right? yes. That's and totally she's sneaky, right? This is why it's passed on from generation because I love this shit out of my kids and yeah. I shame them sometimes. Like, it's okay. Like we will all start somewhere. I've never yeah. said I'm disappointed, but like, I have literally had to put both hands over my mouth. <laughs> to keep me from saying it. Like, but you know what? You just made me think about the repair. Like you use that word a lot. Mm-hmm. Like you, even you shame your kids sometimes, but oh, you will yeah. catch it and you will repair it. And I think so oh, yeah. many times it's like, generational too. You don't apologize to your kids. It's like, if I said to my husband that I went to apologize, he'd be like, he was just raised. Like you were seen and not Mm -hmm. heard. You didn't talk when adults were in the room. Like I could never picture his parents apologizing to him, but Mm -hmm. it's like, you have to, if everyone's going to like F it up sometimes, but you have to talk about the repair, like you can fix it. it. There's no like, okay. I have never heard another parenting expert. I hope there are more out there, but I have zero times have I heard another parenting expert like actively talk about getting triggered and messing up. No. Yeah. And like that's one of the main reasons. There's so many. I've got so many main reasons, but that's one of the tip top that I did this. You know, I did not expect to like accidentally become a parenting expert because I was so terrified of messing up my kids. Right. I didn't expect it. Like I didn't. Right. I didn't think I'd end up here, but here we are. But like when I found gentle parenting, it was like, oh, that feels right. But there was this like, all right, I'm going to tell you now when the next time that happens, here's what you do. And sometimes I could, but a lot of times I got triggered and lost it. And then nobody talks about that part. No. Like there's just like, oh, I failed. Apparently I I should have been able to do the thing. And now I'm a failure instead of like, no, no, no. (laughs) Right. When your stress level's at a seven, I can't get my perspectives on. Forget it. Like that's where I'm vulnerable. I'm going to fall right into like parts of me, parts of me are going to want to give the silent treatment to withdraw and withhold. Parts of me are going to want to make my kids feel like they don't deserve love. Parts of me are going to want to drop the I'm disappointed. Like that seven or higher is where I am real vulnerable to that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like so much of this is about like learning how to be back in your body 
Like we, we had a connection to our body and we had to learn to look outside, right? Because shame was the punishment if we didn't. Like, have I had enough to eat, mom? Like we didn't, we didn't listen to our bodies. We were like, yes. have I eaten enough today? Oh, God. Okay. Right. And so we were just trained and conditioned to look to them for like, am I good? Like, are we, have I had enough? Have I done enough? Am I good enough? I made you mm-hmm. proud, like all this stuff. And so we've got to like get back in our bodies, learn to like notice where our stress level is, which is life changing, like, uh, like life changing. I, the number of counseling clients who, <laughs> who come in really struggling and I just, that one thing, like just at, we'll mention it every session. Like, well, I was at a nine. So of course I was like, you know, we, it's not that I don't need to hold myself accountable for the way I hurt people at a nine, but like anybody in a nine is going to be flirting with rage. You recognize right? that you're there. It's not like, right. but I live my life at a nine. Like I yeah. am, I'm on Zoloft because I am so hypervigilant. And if things aren't happening and I feel like I'm always coming at my kids at a nine, like how yeah. do I not be at a nine? When I'm just so, raising two kids and running a brand and I live at a nine. Right. I know. Or like a, maybe like a seven and a half. I live seven, at like a seven yeah. and a half. <laughs> I feel like when I started this, I probably lived between a seven and 10. And yeah. then, yeah. And then that. it kind of, oh, hundred percent. I mean like, but like that, there's like, so my brain is like, pew, 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 go this way, go this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, how could we not? Like we were raised to bottle up our feelings. So we live there. So that's yeah. going to be the comfort space, right? For me, like <laughs> five to 10, like, honestly, if I go below, like I joke about how, how I like am such a procrastinator and I've healed so much of the perfectionism that drives my procrastination. And so like, but the waiting to the last minute thing, I truly think it's because my stress level has gotten too low. Like for real you need to go back up. And, and so my brain's like, no, let's just create a little bit of chaos. Like we'll just wait and we'll cut it too close. And then that'll get, cause like, think about That's familiar body. I have the stress response that like yeah. wakes me back up. Right. Oh and it God. puts me back to like my five to 10, which is my comfort zone because I never, I don't think went anywhere below that. Like and truly being a below five feels like, yeah, something's weird. What's happening. Right. Yeah, yeah. That makes Total yeah. sense. I, I, so ha- I'm used to living in this, in yeah. the chaos and the stress. Oh, so that yeah. feels normal. Right. I was 29 with my therapist asking her, how, do, how does one feel their feelings? Like I am, I started from below What made zero. you go at 29? Cause I was going to ask you about that age. Cause you said you didn't realize things until 29. Does something mm-hmm. happen at 29 that you're like, I got to get this figured out. Yes. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. Guys, we're moms. We're not out on the town every night anymore. We're chasing our toddlers through our kitchen. But there are those times where you want just that little extra something. Maybe it's a girl's night, a wedding, a date night, a work event. If you're looking for that little extra confidence boost, you need Rejuvalift. Rejuvalift delivers dramatic results to minimize the look of lines, wrinkles, crow's feet, those 11 lines that I have between my eyebrows, I use it on the bags under my eyes. Guys, it works in four minutes and delivers results up to seven hours. I've tried it. I'm obsessed. And now Squats and Margaritas listeners can get 20% off at rejuvaliftbeauty.com using code margaritas. That's R-E-J-U-V-A liftbeauty.com and use promo code margaritas. You need this in your life. Shipping is free. You get 20% off. Go to rejuvaliftbeauty.com. Now back to squats and margaritas. I got in at 25 
And then I moved to DC area to be with my, mm-hmm. my husband, now husband. And so I went through like five different therapists trying to find one that was a good fit. Like, please guys, like they're, the, the fit is everything. Yeah. Like, don't, who cares? Like where they went to school, like just like you be picky and find someone that feels like a good fit. Like don't yeah. settle. Cause like the right fit will unlock everything. Yeah. Um, but I finally, I, I just found someone anyway. Um, I was working from home for an amazing nonprofit called Comfort Zone Camp, which is a bereavement camp for children. Um, mm. And they run um, nationwide uh, in five states, I think, uh, weekend free bereavement camps for kids who've lost a parent or sibling. And so I'd been volunteering for them for years and I just got hired. And I, instead of commuting across DC, which was, you know, mm whole thing. I was yeah. working from home, but I was super codependent with work. And so, um, I was like not brushing my teeth for the whole, like Matt would come home and be like, did you, did you eat today? And I'm like, Oh no, but look, I'm, you know, yeah. super codependent with work. And so I got into therapy to like work through that and really just to face the kind of SVU trauma from my childhood. And, um, then had a real fallen out with my mom and I had had two sessions with my therapist. So it was like, she kind of knew the basics and we just got to work. Yeah. <laughs> but I truly did not know how to feel my feelings. I did not know that I wasn't feeling my feelings. Like I couldn't have told you any of this stuff. Like I was, I was great. People thought I was doing great. I mean, I'm most likely to succeed in my fifth grade class. Like I, yeah. you know, nobody knew I was suffering, but I was, right. I mean, silently suffering, just not understanding it. Right. Mm-hmm. I was coping with perfectionism and making people happy and not making everybody else proud and all that stuff. And I yes. thought I was happy and fine. Yes. You know? Turns out not so much. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. so, I love what you said too about therapy. Cause people like, maybe they give it a chance and they're like, ah, that was it. You have to find the right fit. Oh. Like don't give up on therapy oh, yeah. because the first one isn't like most. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and you can like go in the first time. And like, I always say to clients when they come in, I'm like, I might not be the right fit. And like, that's okay. But like, I would go in and say, I'm trying this out for a couple sessions. Like you can say that to the therapist off the bat or email it to them. Just like, let them know it's a little bit of a trial. So you can see, cause a lot of times I think people feel like, well, how do I break up with my therapist? Anyway, it's a whole nother story, mm-hmm. but like, seriously, the only thing that matters is does, is it a good fit? I love that. It's a matter of trainings and certifications they have. It's not the right fit. It doesn't exactly. make safe, you know? We talk about being perfectionist. The last thing that I want to do is project my perfectionism onto my firstborn daughter. She feels things on a huge scale. Everything is like, I mean, we, it's like, we just wait for the volcano to explode. If something happens, it's like, I don't look at my son, me and my husband both look at my daughter, like here it comes. And I don't want her to hold herself to the standard. Like things are going to happen. I want her to be like easygoing. How do I raise her? to be just a confident, non-anxious kid when that's how I was. And how do I like Mm -hmm. break that cycle to not pass any of my shit like down to her? Yeah. Short answer is heal yourself. So you can model that shit. Mm. Um, They watch us. They learn from us. Like I, you know, I had to walk the walk. I mean, I just, my daughter, I think biologically we can tend towards perfectionism. It's just kind of our nature. And I, both of my kids, especially my daughter, is definitely biologically there. Um, when it's debilitating and like driving unhealthy yes. coping, that's when we know it's the shame, unfortunately. We keep bouncing around. Okay, so when we make kids feel like there's something wrong with them, um, two other things happen. One, they think, what's wrong with me, right? Like I, I should be able to control myself and I can't. What's wrong with me? Second is we make kids feel like they don't get our love right now. 
Like oh. That's not our intention. We have no freaking clue. That's what we're doing, but that's how it feels. It feels like when I can cooperate and be good and comply automatically, right? And listen, which is really a code word for obey. When I can do those things, I'm, I get love, right? But then when I can't, and my parent makes me feel ashamed of myself, even if it's not our intention, it feels like I'm loved when I'm good and I'm not loved when I'm not good. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's not our intention. We don't mean to do that, but that's how, right? Think about when someone shames you, it makes you feel like you have no worth. Ugh. Like you are worthless. But it's like worth. we're supposed to parent that and teach them. It's so hard because, like, I you know. can't, if there's it's behavior so is horrible and you have but to show them how do you shame do it? It's not required for effective accountability. Thank God. We've just never seen it done before, right? So it feels impossible, but that's just because you've never seen it done before. You've only you, seen the, the strict parent who says, come on, your father's not going to be happy when we get, you know, it's all you've ever known, right? It's, oh, and, and actually like the good news here is not only is it possible to parent without shame, mostly, right? Yeah. I'm like 97, three at this point, probably on, a, on most days, <laughs> um, but it's more effective because shame, so shame makes us feel like something's wrong with me like they, they're worthless without worth and it makes them feel like they don't deserve love in those mm. moments that's why so many of us have struggled to be like do I deserve love do I deserve my husband like right yeah. because we were made to feel like again when you can listen and cooperate and comply automatically love over here I don't deserve love right it's, and that's amplified when we've had a parent who's withdrawn and withheld love iced us out given us a silent treatment like it just makes us feel like we don't deserve love right now Right. And that inter we internalize society that when I'm struggling, when I'm a mess, when I can't pull it together, I don't deserve love. Like those parts of us, until we heal that, we'll just keep reflecting that mm -hmm. back to us. Right? How do we critique like a behavior or stop, like be a parent and show them how to be or to be accountable mm -hmm. for something without shame? How does one do that? Okay. Yeah. So we, we say a confident boundary Our my go-to is I'm not going to let you do that. Not like we that. don't do this because it needs to be me as your confident leader. I'm not going to let you do that. Right. I'm not. It's not the timer. Like, right. <laughs> it's like me. <laughs> the timer said it. They love that though. It's oh, I know. Like, hmm, and I, I'm not saying I've never done the timer, but like, you know what okay. I mean? We're not going to hide I'm behind like, oh, it's the, you know, rules. Like I don't make up the rules. Like fucking own the yes, rules. I do. Own the <laughs> hell out of your rules. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Oh, no, these, I'm just laughing because these are all the things I struggled with back in the day, you know, <laughs> like just hiding behind, like, I don't make it. Don't be mad at me. Like, it's okay for you to be mad at me. Be mad at me. Not right? my fault. I never wanted oh, to be mad at me. Oh, no. I know. Well, that's because it wasn't safe for people to be mad at you. When they were mad, you felt terrible and worthless and like you didn't deserve love and like there's something wrong with you. So like, oh how could God. it be safe to, how could that feel safe? Yeah. Wow. Right? Mm -hmm. Literally. So we got to get over that though, because when kids, when, a, when like kids need to be able to resist us because kids resist to release, to regulate the resistance Ooh. when they're pushing back and saying, I don't want you when they're getting mad at us. It, that's them resisting us. And that they do that when their stress levels like at a seven or eight out of 10, right? Their, their body's like, we need to have a release. Let's make that happen now. I'm going to, I want you to do something you're not supposed to do so that they'll come and say, I'm not going to let you do that. And they can resist it. And then they can release all the way down and regulate down. But why are they at the tent? Like, I feel like my daughter comes off the bus and I'm like, how was your date? Eh. It's like she's living like, between seven and 10. Why are you, it's like, I'm always dealing with someone that's a high number yeah. and so it's like always trying to release it. like what i'm always like what <laughs> like, yeah. 
I'm like, what happened now? Like, she's always mm-hmm. like bothered. Yeah. And I didn't know if it's like the age, but I'm like, I'm always dealing with her at a seven to yeah. 10. And there's I mean, never, it sounds like she has the big releases that when you guys get out of the way and let oh. her body do its thing, which is yeah. really the key here, like stop managing this, stop putting time frames. stop like assuming it's always going to make sense feeling. Yeah. She's a feelings person who occasionally thinks you think she's yeah. a thinking person. Like, no, she's in her <laughs> she's feelings all feeling day long. Person. We yes. all are though. Like, it's not like highly sensitive. Like all people are feelings, people who occasionally think For childhood her. is so overwhelming. Like there's so much, like think about the first time you go do something that's like, I don't know, scary, like bungee. Like that's how they feel all the time. Everything's new. We have this whole framework to understand things. We can look back. We've lived through it and we're like, Oh, okay. It'll be fine. It's scary as hell right now, but it'll be fine. And we think our kids should somehow know that. Like how would yeah. they know that? We didn't know that when we were kids, like we're yeah. projecting, right? We forget that like it's, it's <laughs> Brene Brown talks about fucking first times. Like every day is an FFT for these kids, right? All <laughs> yeah. these things. It's like their whole life is a fucking first time. Yeah, you know, and so they're overwhelmed all the time. And there's also when kids go through a developmental leap, and there are these beautiful charts that like tell you when that's going to happen. They talk about periods of equilibrium and then periods of disequilibrium when their brain is developing and all their body systems are having to adapt. And it's, it makes everything kind of wibbly and wobbly for a little while. And their mood is impacted, right? They're much more likely to have an unstable mood where they kind of are reactive. Yeah. Um, impulse control goes offline. It's typically the times when they're eating and sleeping, like, uh, you know, insane amounts. You're like, what's going on? Typically, for most of chocolate, they coincide with that, but um, there are all these things, right? And then they can be overstimulated and then they can be overwhelmed. And then they, you know, their blood sugar's off, yes. um, hormones show up. It's like, there's so many things that impact their capacity, right? And that make their stress level higher. And really just like the little things that frustrate us throughout the day, we don't release that and allow yeah. ourselves to be freaking frustrated for a minute. Then now we're from a two to a three, right? And it just builds. Like think yes. about just the complex social situation at school and like with social like there's so much for kids to be overwhelmed about like and it's not always going to make sense like it just your job is to trust it's not to be this investigator like you may have been your parents therapist I certainly was Mm -hmm. and so I have a natural air quotes natural capacity to like figure people out and it makes you know that was one of the ways that like made me valuable as a kid so like that tendency to like help people like no your job is to step back and trust that like she's in a nine out of ten we don't need to know how she got here but she is slamming into ten right now and the only thing we know for true for sure here is that if she can release that stuff and regulate down calm her will come back so step back and let her oh, just yeah. don't Get even try to talk way. to her. <laughs> I mean, you can, but like <laughs> sometimes they want us to talk to resist, but don't shut down the resistance. Cause if we shut down their resistance, they'll leave me alone. I hate you. If we act, you know, that's disrespect. And I need to shut you down now and yes. control you. Yes. Then we're shutting, we're shutting down the resistance and we're also shutting down their ability to release stress. That's it. If right she there. said that to my husband, I couldn't even like, he would shut it down. Like we, I guess you have to be on the same page then as your spouse. Yep. Like he'd be like, you do not talk to me that way. But I like, you said, so you said if they're doing something, you say, I will not let you do that mm-hmm. anymore. I will not let you talk mm-hmm. to me. And then they resist. And then what do you, you yeah. do? You, you've already said your piece. Like, so that's, no, I mean, like depending on the age, right? Like my framework is truly all of my scripts. I mean, they need to be slightly adjusted, but like toddlers to teens, like teens are just big toddlers. Like we don't need a drastically different, like all human children need the same thing, you know? Um, I have to adapt for ages, but really this is true for all. So depending on the age, like, you know, um, our kid, 
gets mad over something that doesn't make any sense. The more unreasonable they are, the more I need you to just picture a nine out of 10. Yeah. Just there at a nine out of 10. They didn't okay. have the space. Just like when I'm in a nine out of 10 and something ridiculous comes along and I just right. lose it. And it's not really about the thing. Thing is not the thing. It's just when I was at a nine. I didn't have the space. Right. And I slammed it in a 10. Um, side note, I love, I have a tub in my office and I keep a measuring cup there with food coloring. And I will often do the, like, I'll, I'll take my measuring cup and I'll show it to kids and I'll be like, okay, this is your stress level. <laughs> Cause it was so life-changing for me. And I'll, I always dye it red usually or orange just so it's kind of an angry color. Yeah. So I, I fill it up with water and I have this like pitcher I'm pouring from and I'll be like something frustrated happens. Right. And I, their stress level has a little bit. And then I keep, and then I'm like, Oh, let's have a release. And they punch pillows or something. And then we're pouring some water out. Okay. Now we're back down to a two. And I show them right as it builds that this happens and then this happens and then this happens. And sometimes I'll ask them to tell me annoying stuff that that frustrates them. That's great. That would be because then I can get in there in her head. Right. (laughs) And so you show her, show her at a nine and then show her something that's going to be like three, you know, ounces worth that's going to send her into a 12 which your brain has two choices there. Either it forces the release, even though it's disappointing us, which is what you see, right? Or her brain dissociates. That's where Mm -hmm. the the only way she can go above a 10 without releasing is for her brain to take her consciously offline. You said something about punching a pillow. Is that how we teach them to release? Like how do I, what do I tell, when she's feeling that way, I want to help, what do I tell her to do? I mean, the first thing to do is just to allow the resistance. Like that's already going to be pretty revolutionary for them because it's like, whoa, you're not getting what's happening. It'd be pretty revolutionary at this house if she says something crazy like that and nobody checks her. Right? Yeah. Revolutionary. Now, have your husband watch this. I I will. We're like, I specialize in anxiety and depression with kids and low self worth, and like, God, this is this is revolutionary. They have really this great. impulse to release us. Gordon Newfield talks about counter will. And that's like where we have a will. And then when our stress level, and I, this is my part, kind of adapting it into it. I feel like at about a eight out of 10, counter will shows up. And that's where kids have this impulse to resist us. And they don't know why. They don't know why they need to push us away. They don't know why. But their brain's helping them facilitate a release. Like literally kids use boundaries as a release valve. The mm-hmm. easiest example I've got is when I was pregnant with my son. My daughter was two. I had a rough pregnancy. And I just remember this one time she was like doing little things, you know, and I was so tired and like nauseous laying on the couch, just trying to survive the day. And like, she did one thing and I'm like, honey, stop, 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 stop. And like toddlers need you to walk over and like take the thing out of their hand. And I just couldn't, I was just trying to get back. Anyway, like three or four things happen. And I turn around and she's on, the, she's on the table. She's literally climbed on top of the dining table. Like, are you going to stop me now? Like, come wow. on, like, give me something to resist. So I picked her up and took her off the table and there but that's was. the boundary she needed to resist to facilitate the release. But then, and like, so then once had, the release, then how do you act? Like, so she goes, she screams at me and has her whole, uh-huh. does her whole thing, and then uh-huh. you say, she, "You're really overwhelmed right now." You're, and I, some you of just this notice is like, the behavior. You say it, what yeah. they're doing. You're feeling frustrated. No, I don't. The feel it to heal it thing, or name it to tame it, whatever it's called. I'm not a huge fan of that. Oh. I think that the like, I know it's controversial. No, no um, I like this. <laughs> no, I just think. I, I think you can label it as upset, but I don't think we need, like when, okay. when I'm at a nine out of 10 or when I'm exploding, do I want people to be like, I think this is anger. 
Oh, I think it's this sad. Childhood I'd be like, this is your you protector parts coming to Britain. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. You're upset. Like, just hold space. Like, just don't make me feel like something's wrong with me. Like, basically, yeah. that's your orders. Like, when she needs to release, picture her slamming into 10. Her cup is overflowing, and she just needs to get these feelings out. She doesn't know why. She wishes she could pack it up, but her body has got other plans. And, like, just, like, truly... The most important thing, the step before, because naming it is important later for insight, sure. But like in this moment, just make her feel like it's okay. It's okay like that hug, we need hug to hug her while she's not as, if she wants a hug. But I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Sometimes <laughs> people say I just hug my kids, and I'm like, I don't know. I have seen know. before. It was like when they're yelling and they, what they need, you get down on their level oh. and you hold them and you hug. Oh no, no, oh no, 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 no. Leave them. No, alone. I mean the, just. As a child therapist, I have so many thoughts, yeah. but like, I just think like kids can feel when we're at like a nine or 10 and being in close proximity to our, I mean, first co-regulation, right? So if we're at a 10, wherever they are, they're going to co-regulate right there. But like a parent, when I'm nine or nine out of 10, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not saying I won't go close, but I'm not going to like put my body, put my hands on my child's body because their body's going to feel that rage Wow, and it doesn't feel safe. You know what I mean? If I'm relatively regulated, I might offer a hug. But like with the understanding that it's totally fine for them to say no, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, not get your kind of feelings place hurt. Of like, if you want to hug them here, but like, if you don't, that's fine too. Like from that place, you can offer a hug, but I wouldn't okay. be like, let's hug now. It's <laughs> like, I don't want to hug when I'm- We're hugging right now. Bring get over me. here and hug me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. Um, okay. So I, there's the, the step here first, which I think is so important is- a calm circle back. This is what's so hard about social media. It's like, I can't explain all of this in a 90 second video. And that's like the longest video we have right now. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, so I love these calm circle backs. Calm circle backs are a time for you to have a quick powwow with your kid, whether it's to repair and for you to do the full repair, which we can talk about. Um, or just like anytime there's like a dynamic that's going on where you're like, we keep having this issue, or I've noticed you do this, or I'm noticing I'm having a big risk. Anytime you're, you need to have one of those conversations. Mm -hmm. And so we want to approach our kid and we want our vibe to be curious and non-judgmental. That's yeah. your mindfulness, mindfulness vibe, right? Just like curious and non-judgmental. This is not where I lecture you. This is where I'm open to hearing whatever it is that you need to say without okay. judgment from a curious headspace. And so you were talking earlier about critical mom. I, when I'm at a seven to 10, I'm a critical mom. And I have this ongoing come circle back with my daughter, who's almost eight, where I say, oh, I'm making you feel like nothing's ever good enough, aren't I? Mm. Damn. I have a cuss in front of my kids. That's what it is. You know, wow. I think I'm doing it again. Oh. And repair, like repair is about the real apology, which is important. But uh, to me, like what's maybe even more important is that, <laughs> can you imagine how different your life would be if you, if you'd ever gotten apologies from your parents about like, not like they would yell, but it wasn't like, oh, I need to apologize. It was like, you made me yell, right? Yes. You set me off. Like, how dare you? Like, you need to apologize to me for making me yell at you. Like bullshit uh -oh. guys. The parent is, is in charge of their body and their rage. Like it's um, not the child's job to not trigger the parent. Like, no, 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 no. Right. Yeah. Wow. But like, um, what's so important, like what would have truly changed us and what really damages kids is that I would have, I could have used an apology, but more than that, a parent seeing the pain they caused, yeah. seeing the way they hurt me and communicating that I hurt you. It was my fault. Like you're hurting because of me, 
I did that. It's the feeling seen in their pain that is so important, right? And so Calm Circle Box gave you this beautiful opportunity to focus on that, right? So yes. when I'm when I recognize and my daughter and when I make her feel like she's not good enough, she spirals with anxiety, right? And it's just obnoxious. And so it's like, I think I'm making you feel and first time it was like, okay, I think I might be making you feel like nothing's good enough. And it's safe for you to say yes. Like if that's am I making you feel that way? And I'm you might need to say it's safe. You can tell me whatever's the truth here. Mm-hmm. I want to hear it. Like I felt like that as a child, and that breaks my heart to think I'm doing that to you. So I'm gonna figure this out. And I'm so sorry. You are good enough but I'm making you feel like you're not. Mm-hmm. That's on me. It's my work. I feel like I need to have like a calm circle back about like, I mean, we have the same dynamic. We have an older daughter and a younger son. Mm-hmm. And because we, my daughter and I butt head so much, mm-hmm. I, my husband will check me on it. He's like, I'll be like, what is her problem? He's like, mm-hmm. you sat there and we're like, look at Jace. He jumped in, look at him do it. She, and when I do that, and sometimes I, I know I need to be more cognizant of it. Mm-hmm. She will like hurt Jace to get mm-hmm. my attention back mm-hmm. on her. And he'll be like, mm-hmm. ah, or something I'm like what? And she'd be like, I didn't, it was an accident. He's like, no, she, oh, yeah. she come over yeah. here. And I'm like, I will yeah. get so enraged. I was like, he did not do anything to you. If you were mad at me, like yeah. she'll hurt him because she's trying mm-hmm. to get my attention back. Like, what yeah. do I do there? Yeah. And I will not allow that. And I will be yeah. so angry at her to like, I was yeah. like, he has nothing to do with this, but my husband right. would be like, she's trying to get you to look she at her. Is. She is. Well, she's trying to feel seen. It's unacceptable. So what do I do? Again, like (laughs) the number of times it's like, but have you talked to her about it? Like, have you sat down and tried to talk to her about it? Not in a lecturing, you're in trouble way, but just to like, what's going on? Like, do you like a calm circle back? Like when I look at Jace or say Jace rides his bike, does that make you feel like you're not like, I love Jace more or something? Like what, what, how do I, I mean, you could go a lot of different ways. What's their age difference? Two and a half years, so six and a half and four. That's where we are. I know. So, the like perspectacles on here. When I mean toddlers becoming big siblings, like their insight isn't like they're kind of just mostly unconscious. Like there's certainly like a thing, but when when a kid is two, two and a half or older, when their baby sibling is born, yep. Um, and siblings without rivalry, which is the best book ever on siblings. Um, she talks about how it literally feels like, can you imagine if your husband got a new wife? Right. And like, everybody's like, I love her. Don't you love her? And like, no matter how much you might love her, like it's hard to watch him love her. It's it's hard to not feel displaced. Like it changes everything. Right. And everywhere you go, it's like, your, your husband's going to get a new wife, get a new sister wife. Are you excited? Are you excited? Are you excited? Are you excited? And look what she's really doing. She's so good answer. at this and making dinner. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and there's just this thing. And we have to see the older sibling in that way. We have to, because otherwise it's just going to be yeah. right button heads the whole time. Like they have to feel seen. And I had ongoing conversations with her and I don't think it really helped, unfortunately. But like, I remember the first year that he was born, she resisted me. She like wanted nothing to do with me, but like desperately needed me, but it was so painful. And I remember just Googling and like <laughs> trying to figure out like, what do I do here? But like, she pushed me away because she felt safe to push me away. Yeah. Right. Like she knew that she wasn't going to like lose my love if she pushed me away, you know? I've been handling it wrong. Like I've been like showing her, you do not blame him. Right. Like you, I need to show her that she needs to physically stop hurting her brother, but that's her way. She's looking at him like this new behavior. Yes. And then my eyes are on her and it's like all press is good press. Like at least she's looking at me, even though I'm in trouble. I mean, right. Because if she can't get like 
attention to make her feel her worth, right? She's just got to feel seen any way she can. But I don't want her to think the world works. Like if Jace does something, I don't want to have to be like, I have to say you, but you are great at this. That's not reality. Well, and I think so much of this is built in calm circle backs. Like the calm circle back sets up the next time, right? And like having a calm circle back, I have a calm circle back every time we have like a thing with my kids, whether they need to be repaired or not. We have a. And what time frame are you coming back? That just later that day, later like an hour later. I try to before we go to bed. Like I try because I mean it's not just to like all go to bed settled and like regulated, but also it's just hard to remember the next day. Like I'm just, <laughs> then you'd I'm have mom. to, you're like, what am I circling back on? Literally, what do we, what happened, happened again? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I try to go back the next day, bedtime, the bedtime shit show sometimes it's not possible, but yeah. like so much of this is built in the calm circle back, right? Where you sit yeah. down and you say, you know, whether you're saying, you know, on a sibling thing, like it was hard when he was born. Do you remember? Like, well, if you don't remember, let me tell you that so many big siblings just feel so lost afterwards and it changes things. They feel really jealous of their little sibling. And like, it's okay if you felt that way, how could you not? You yeah. know, I'm, I've shamed you really hard for that. I've made you feel like there's something wrong with you for having those feelings. And like, I'm so sorry. I didn't understand. And I'm going to yeah. try so hard to understand that in these moments, I'm not going to let you do that but I understand that there's a part of you that's trying to get my attention. Right. Wow. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the punishment and the like making you feel terrible about yourself. You can see her and be like, I'm not ever going to let you do that. There are consequences for what you've done. Like it's not okay, but you're okay. Right. Like there's nothing wrong with you. You got overwhelmed. You got hijacked. You're right. You you were desperate to to get seen and you did something and like, you're not a terrible person for that. You made a mistake, right? You, you lost control and did this thing and the thing's not okay, but you're okay. I guess I I was thinking if I talked to her like that, like, it's okay that she'd do it more. And like, she needs to know that is not okay, but that's not working obviously. So maybe then she'll be like, okay, good. You see me now. I'm not going to do that anymore. Right. It's going to be a process. Like when it's been a long-standing pattern, like it's multiple incidents and calm circle backs. Like it's never, unfortunately, ever resolved in like one right. incident. But the more that she feels seen here, that you get that she's in there and some part of her doesn't know what's going on here, but some part is like, here, I know what to do. She'll see us if we do this, like, and takes over and hijacks her, just like rage hijacks me sometimes. And I see things like, it's just a human thing. Right. And so the more she can, the more seen she feels and the more she feels like you love her, even then, right. That like, I'm not going to let you do that, but I love you and I'm here for you. And I'm here to help you figure this out. And there are consequences and here they are. And you don't have to like them and you can be mad at me, but I love you too. It's both. Like, isn't that wild? You can do both. I own the hell out of my boundaries. And it's funny (laughs) because I get these like comments all the time about like, this is what's wrong with children these days and coddled, spoiled. Like when I teach my boundaries bootcamp, people are like, oh, like when I explain the level of owning the hell out of your boundaries, like most people are like, whoa. Like, I'm like the first time they can't do it. I need you to like come in and like help them do the thing or take it away. Like we don't give them 20 chances. Meanwhile, we build up to rage. We give them one chance. And when it's clear that they can't stop themselves, we walk over and we take the thing out of their hands. And we. But then what if they come, they don't like my son, he does not, or like, I know you say like, don't do timeouts, but my consequence for him, he just Mm -hmm. won't do it. Like he'll come and try to get the thing back or like if you take a dinosaur or something, or if I put him in, yeah. I'm like, you go sit down. He'll get up. Before? Yes. He does yeah, not. My husband will be like, man. get 
if my husband starts a sentence and the tone of his voice, they, they go do it. But I will try to be so for, I'm like, you go sit down, put it down right now. He just won't do it. Like that you was have to go the take top. him out of his hands. He doesn't He's respect me. Out. He'll go like, so maybe not the take out of it. Something that he can continue to do where I'm like, do not, he'll do yeah. it more or I'll set him down and he'll get up. And he does not respect me. Yeah. He respects my yeah. husband. He doesn't respect me. Like, what do I, can we reframe I that a little bit? Hmm? Can we reframe that? Sure. This one's going to hurt. Okay. No, no. I, give it to me. That's what I want the show to be. It's not that he doesn't respect you. It's that he's scared of him. He's scared of you, their dad's reaction. It's a fear thing. It's a fear and shame. But he doesn't spank him. I'm not saying fear of what of, would, what might come. Scared of his rage. And he knows that I won't do rage. anything. Right. So fear and I shame. Need- in, it might look like he is got control of the situation, but it's using fear and shame. Respect comes from respect. Like our kids can't respect us if we treat them with no respect. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so my kids respect me because when they struggle, I say, I'm not going to let you do that. Here's your consequence, but I'm here. I've got you. Can what you is the consequence support? that you would give? I know okay. you don't say go sit down. This is no controversial. This is controversial. We're getting into country. <laughs> we're getting good. into, I've been talking to you for uh, one hour already and we're getting, I, I can't. know, but the, con- the consequences thing is such a thing. Okay. It is. Many gentler parenting frameworks talk about how if they, if the consequence is not related to the thing, right? Oh. Like it, then it's a punishment. And I, that's not true. I do not agree with that. And I get oh. crucified for this online every day. But like <laughs> one day I'll write a book about it and everybody can read 60 pages about my thoughts. Yes. It'll get better. Okay. The, the factor that we need to focus on here is not like, is it ideal to have natural and logical consequences? Like they break, the, you know, they play unsafely with the thing. We take the thing away. Is that yeah. ideal? Is that our first option every time? If it's available, you better believe it. But it's not always available. Like it's not. Like you and can't take people, away the, if they want right. to start watching YouTube, you can't take the TV away. So, well, or like, I mean, we can turn off the TV, but like when our kids are talking back to us, for example, what do you, what's your plan here? Are you going to duct take their mouth shut? Like, how are you going to get them to stop talking? Right. right. One day my kid, my son was kicking the washing machine as I was trying to make lunches and like yeah. I'm on a time crunch. And so I go over and I move him away from the washing machine and he walks he goes right back. back. Keeps, like it's after yes. the fifth time. It's like, what is, tell yes. me. Other That's where I am. Parenting people, what do like, I do? What am I supposed to do here? There's yes. not always a natural consequence. Yes. And we're so focused on like, is it natural? Is it logical? The, the element you want to guess, which element do we need to focus on? The shame. It's the shame. The presence or absence of shame is what changes it from a consequence to a punishment. How so? Because I can take a natural consequence and make it into a punishment based on how I say it, right? I can say, if you don't put that book down, right? <laughs> Fear, shame, right? How what is the matter with you? Because oh, I'm making them feel ashamed of themselves. I've told you three times and you can't listen. What's wrong with, okay. I, yeah. I always say that. I'm like, or I will say, put it down like that. Put it down. And then okay. I will rage I out. want you to hear my voice. Ready? Down. They can't put it down. But I scream it, then they put it down. And I'm like, you only listen when I scream. I they listen you. because they were scared, not because <laughs> they learned something. Like, but it gets the job them, done. I know. They put it down. But, but there's a, a huge cost, mm. right? We're intimidating them into doing. It's the only right? way they, I'll be like, put it down, put it down, nothing. Put it down. The only like, way eh. because you haven't tried. 
I know. I give me your way. Okay. Literally. And anybody that's right now, like, like, when are she going to ask her, where do we find your way and your framework? Right? How do we get all this? Okay. So I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and I have a Facebook community with um, parents from, I think I have a couple thousand in there from 60 countries. So I have parents worldwide who are learning. Amazing. So you can come in and ask questions and everybody there is learning my framework. Um, but I post free content every day on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook when I have and the time. Post parenting with perspectives. Parenting with perspectives, yes. Um, and then I have, I'm about to launch my boot camp, which I haven't been able to do since last fall. Um, it, I typically teach it live and I just don't have the capacity right now to do it. So I'm going to change it into like a bunch of shorter videos on everything from why boundaries are so hard for us. What is shame? Where does that hide in our parenting? How to have calm circle backs with our kids, how to repair with our kids, how to yeah. set strong boundary, how to own the hell out of your boundaries, how to hold the boundary when our kids melting down consequences versus punishments like it's going to be and then I have um, a digital guide called words that work and it's a it's a um, it took 11 of the trickiest parenting moments and gave you a script for like the words I would recommend you say and I also do a little pep talk in there so it's like if you could pause time and call me like this yeah. is exactly <laughs> what I would tell you to help you understand like what is happening why is your kid acting like this why can't they stop themselves and to help you see through what's going on to them inside. And then I give you a script, um, for that. So okay. and I'm, I'm going to be posting on YouTube this fall too. It's just a lot. <laughs> I, I know <laughs> but I hope you have a we team. Need, we need to be focusing on the shame because <laughs> it, even if it's a natural consequence, if we're delivering it with shame and fear, to me, that's a punishment. Like, are we making our kid feel like there's something wrong with them and they're not loved and they don't deserve love because of how bad they acted? That's a punishment. We're not Even trying to. Natural. That's not the intention, but that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. And I wasn't cognizant of that. I'm like, no, shame. how am I shaming them? Every right. way that I say it, what is wrong with you? I have to tell you, what, how do I, um, what does he say to his dinosaurs? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> are you? I, I say, are you kidding me? That's are you my kidding life. me? Like, are you, the, but like, he's probably thinking like, I don't know how that, yeah. I, my words, that's how it's I never, like, I don't know why I, I don't know why I'm doing why, what is wrong? Why am I doing this again? Yeah. Oh, spiral. Yeah. So I was going to have you end it with the number one thing that you see that parents are doing that we need to stop doing. I mean, shame, is, but yeah. But how um, do we, like, if you're like, if you could just, if I could just have parents know this, what would you tell them? Like this, stop doing this. I mean, I'm not mad. I'm, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed would be a great start. Ooh. And instead just saying, you know, because again, it's about my expectations. I have this expectation that you should be able to do this. And I'm not recognizing that you can't right now. It's not that they won't. It's that they can't. They don't have right? the They're not giving you a hard time. They're having a hard time. Like it's like their capability is gone because they are completely overwhelmed. We all lose control when our stress level hits 10 or nine, you know? Um, and so we've got to recognize, like, I thought you could do this right now, but you're at a nine, you know, um, my quick story, my son, um, last year had just had this day where I was like, uh, our old dog, we lost our dog in January, but Lucy, they used to like take turns letting her out. And like with a four-year-old, that's just really fun to have chores. Um, cause the resistance is just so right there all day long, every day. And so one day he, it was his day to let her out and he didn't want to. And he stood there at the back door and like, no, not going to. And I just had this moment. It was like this, just, it gives me goosebumps to remember. I just thought, wow, a success here with my parents. 
based on how I was parented, is my kid shuts up and does the thing. Yeah. Right? That's not a success because he's at a 10 and I'm about to send him to school at a 10. He's going to get in trouble. He's going to blow the fuck up at school. (laughs) He's not going to be able to control himself. Yeah. Right? Like that's not a success. No. It's actually not. What needs to happen, and thankfully what did happen that day because I was regulated because I've learned to release my stress as it comes, is that I saw through to this little kid that just needed to push back. There's the resistance. And the resistance is the release. If we shut down the resistance, we shut down the release. And over time, kids learn, oh, it's not safe to release. I'm going to hold my feelings in. And that's and then that's where the anxiety and the depression and the low self-worth and affection, all the things come from that, from the shutting down. And so I said, I see that you don't want to do that. And you're having a hard time controlling yourself. And I just held the boundary. Like, I'm going to need to, I'm going to need you to let her out. And on this case, like I, I, if I come and do it for him, then there's nothing for him. To, he's going to find, he's going to refuse to get buckled into his seat. Like it's me, the next opportunity he's going to resist, right? Mm-hmm. If we get through this one, it's going to be the next thing that comes along. Yep. The, the only healthy outcome here is that he blows the fuck up. <laughs> and he did. He threw himself on the ground. I don't want you. I hate letting her out. I hate her. Blah, 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 blah. And you he just stand there? You say nothing? I mean, they release frequently. You know, and so like when kids are holding in and they have like, it sounds like your daughter has those the last like forever. That's because she's been sitting here and she's able to regulate all the way down. So those are exhausting, but like we still like let her body get to a point like her calm self will just come back and show up and you're like, oh, there you are again. Right. (laughs) That's because she's regulated down. My kids, I feel like, like when kids are able to feel their feelings, they down regulate quicker. Right. Because there isn't all the shame. Like I... I'm mm. jumping around. I used to hyperventilate when I cried. And so did Aww. my daughter. And it's shame. Like it's shame trying to like, you know, prevent the flood gates from opening, right? The hyper, like our body will try to hold, yeah. right? And so that's yeah. like, she's, it takes so long for her to downregulate because she's got so much shame about the fact that she needs to have this release and what is wrong with her. And she, she's trying to hold it in and there's the floodgates are opening, right? And so it takes longer. Like my kids, I, we try so freaking hard to just let them have the release. And so they, they downregulate quicker too. Okay. And like, when it comes, they know they're safe. They don't have to worry about not being loved. Like, you know, none yeah. of those things are there it's like in our house like everybody blows up sometimes and so it's just it's your turn you know yeah and it's um, okay. and so I held the boundary and just said I'm gonna need you to let her out buddy like you don't have to like it but this is this is your job today you know I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna do it I don't like I mean sometimes you can threaten a consequence I just feel like more than that it's just holding the boundary you're gonna have to do this I don't want to do this and at four he kept pushing back I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to one point he like kicked the the glass door and so I went over and like put my hands on his legs. And I said, I, you feel like kicking right now. I'm not going to let you kick, buddy. And four, three and four-year-olds, like often they need the physical boundary. They need to be physically restrained and mm. to allow the like the full release to happen. Like two-year-olds, you can kind of like set up this, you know, stop, put it down. And like, that'll send them over. But there's like this thing that happens with three and four and five-year-olds where they kind of need you to go hands-on and like, it's a whole complicated explanation, but like sometimes they, they're getting too old to be held as much. And so it, I, I truly believe it's because their body like needs to be close to us. And so they yeah. have to like create these situations that'll make us come close, you know? Oh my God. Um, but we don't want to do that when we're at an eight out of 10, right? When I'm yeah, flirting. You bring our like, energy, is... our stressed out energy to them. I learned that. Yeah. From and that, yeah. that is terrifying when they can yeah. feel that we're flirting with rage. And so that's why we need to go the first time. Like as soon as he kicked, 
And I said, can you control yourself? And he kicked again. I walked right over. I'm not going to sit there and ask him to do something he clearly can't do. Meanwhile, I'm rising and now I'm Mm -hmm. flirting with rage. Like we don't go hands-on unless it's a safety issue. We don't put our hands on our kids unless we're regulated relatively, you know? So I walked right over and I held his feet and I said, you feel like kidding. And meanwhile, he keeps trying to kick me. Like that's the thing that then he goes into orbit. And he, it was like a five minute meltdown. Like there are times that it goes longer, but again, the more kids, like it's, it's almost like feeling our feelings and allowing ourselves to go to that place. is like an ice bath, you know, and kids are like, my kids have been doing the ice bath for a long time. So it doesn't like, like for me at 29, trying to feel my feelings, getting in the ice bath, like Lord, you know? Um, And so the more that we let them get used to the ice bath, the less jarring the ice bath is. It's still uncomfortable, still would rather not do it, but like their bodies don't have that kind of like reaction, you know? Shock. Yeah. But like, I let him regulate all the way down. I held the boundary. And and as soon as he down regulated, here's the kicker. He walked right out and like did it. I didn't even have to tell him. Mm. He was only resisting because he needed to have a release. Like kids only do that. They only resist us when their stress levels at like a seven out of 10. If I had asked him the same question and that day he happened to be a three, he would have done it with no incident. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like if yes. you're seeing the resistance, it's because they need to have a release. So the only way to get through to calm them is to let them have that release. Oh my God. Instead of trying to stop it, like stop. Or like, what if they were, you're out somewhere and they're having the release and you're like, you just do the best you can. It's, I mean, <laughs> The, the public releases are hard, but like yeah. fuck everybody else. Like I am not oh, going to destroy so my me. child's self-worth though. Like, I, well, it yeah, was hard true. for me as a person, but as a mom, mama bears there and like determined to not put my kids through what I went through. And so mm-hmm. it's like, you can judge me. I don't really, like, I don't, you know, get as yeah. much privacy as you can, right? Like walk out of the restaurant, go around the corner, like do whatever you need to do. But like just their bodies know what to do. Like, and, and truly as I've healed as an adult, my body knows exactly what to do. I don't, mm-hmm. We don't need to coach them through this. We don't need to manage it or direct them, like get out of the way, yeah. you know? And so when my kids, sometimes they're screaming, they can't hear me. So it's just kind of an energy where I'm like, yep, let's go. You're doing the release. You know, thank you for releasing that stress. Like you got it. You're mad. You know, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be frustrated. My kids will go, don't say that. Like, that's fine. They can resist my validation. Like the resistance is the magic here. So like they want to resist, you know, something ridiculous. I don't like your shirt. Like, I don't, you know, if they want to resist me with silly things. I don't care. Resistance can be whatever it needs to be. That's, but the resistance is how they don't regulate. And so um, sometimes it's, you know, you're really upset. I do think when we've, when we have shamed historically with our kids, it's so important for the shame piece to be there. And I, I do this with my kids anyway, and it's probably because I'm hyper aware of it, but like, Kids will often like when they slam into 10, the anger happens. The anger's like 10 down to like seven ish. And then the shame shows up. And that's when they like, can't look you in the eye. They're like, they feel terrible. They feel like a failure. They feel like you don't love them. It's like the shame shit storm hits. Mm-hmm. And so we can say, are you feeling bad about yourself right now? Which is how I would ask a young child. Like shame doesn't make sense to a four-year-old. But if you yeah. say, are you feeling like I don't love you right now? Like I got really mad and I yelled and I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry if I scared you, but I do love you. Like it's okay that you messed up. There's a consequence. Like you did this and kicked the dish, you kicked the washing machine six times. So now you don't get to take that book in the car. And like, you can be mad about that, but I'm not going to let you kick the washing machine, you know? And like, you don't have to like it, but there's a consequence for that, buddy. But I love you and you lost control and you did your best. And I'm here to help you through that. I love it. Right? This has been 
beyond all expectations. I, I'm not even like looking at my notes over there. Like you've given, it, it's exactly what it was supposed to be. And I didn't want it to be just like a parenting. Here's the tips for this. And everybody asked the same yeah. questions. Like we went into some stuff that I feel like is going to change people's parenting situations immensely. And I cannot thank you enough for doing this. Thank you. I will come back anytime you want. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.